seniors. Uh, I want you to know um, Lifeway uh, Research um, did a, a nationwide um, study, and 66% of students that are transitioning from high school to college stop going to church. Um, 66%. Um, th- only 36% of those students um, come back to the church. Parents in here, this is uh, good news for you. The number one reason that they get reestablished back in the church is because of parental influence, encouraging them to get reestablished. Um, for all of us in this room, the, the number one reason why uh, they, they never leave is because they have gotten connected to a small group. And so it's great that we come into this place, great that we, we come in corporate worship, but if you really want to get connected to the body of Christ, it takes you getting engaged into small group. And so as we get started, I, I want to pray for us, but before we do this, because this statement is going to be one that we come back to at the invitation, I want you to write this down. Being a world changer is not based on my abilities, but about my daily availability to use by God. Being a world changer is not based on my abilities, but about my daily availability to be used by God. In this room, the way that this world is going to be changed is by us making us ourselves available to the living God, saying, God, use me. God, use me. Father, you know every heart in this room. Father, it's not by mistake that, that any of us are here today, and Father, our number one goal and purpose of today is to, to worship you, to, to glorify you, to be open to what you have to say to us. And so, Father, I pray that you would remove me from this stage and, Father, allow your word to be the thing that is heard and your spirit move in great power. Father, I know that there are people in this room that brought into this space burdens. Father, you are the solution to that burden. God, you, I know that there are people potentially in this, this place that don't have a relationship with you. God, you are the solution to their lostness. And Father, for these seniors, as we give this charge today, God, you are the hope for their future. God, you give meaning to their life. So Father, as we continue through this service now, I pray that you would speak through your word. Father, you would do what only you can do, and that is change and transform lives and redeem the broken. So Father, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, um, again, this is Paul speaking to the church of Philippi, and um, Judaism was, was being brought into the church, and so he gives words of warning and also communicating where he was before he got saved. But it says, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And I, I just paused there in my study and just thought, like, in our lives, if we're going to live a life that, that is um, a world-changing life, one that's saying, God, I, 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 have, I have no ability apart from you. The, the question is this, the, the frame of reference as we enter into our days dictates how those days take place. And so the question today, are you rejoicing in the Lord? Are you, are you, are you coming into this space, into this place, and, and are you bringing rejoice, rejoicing in the Lord regardless of situations, regardless of circumstances, regardless of even your emotional state at the moment, to say, God, I rejoice in you because my trust is not established in how I feel and how my circumstances are. He says this, he says, it is not, so it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, for it is a safeguard to you, a place of safety. 
It says, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, um, before my, my current dog, I used to be a dog person. And so um, I would, um, this morning, I'll just be honest with you, I came back from a, a, a little exercise um, uh, thing this morning, and, uh, and um, I found, well, actually, my daughter woke up really early this morning, so she was already awake, and she said, Daddy, don't spake Gunner, that is my dog. And uh, I, I walk into um, our bathroom area, and I see little bits and pieces of something that, that are just strewn all over the floor. And then I go to my sink, and it has been placed there, I'm assuming, by my wife, because she was exercising then. And uh, my church shoe, um, so not this one, um, was totally destroyed in the toe of it, so, and, and had ripped it to shreds. And so, uh, yeah, I know. So um, uh, before this current dog, I would have replaced dogs, watch out for those dogs, for cats. And so um, he says, watch out for those dogs that do evil. A couple of things. First point is this. Watch out for the things and the people that don't have your best interest in mind. You're going you're gonna to encounter, and you have encountered, people that in your life will not have the best interest in mind. But then it's also things in this world, things that, that can steal your heart's devotion from God. Um, when I was young, one of the the ways that I, I found this out, I had a good friend, he was in eighth grade, and so what I'm about to tell you, I don't condone or support, but I was, I was dating a girl in eighth grade, and, uh, and it, it lasted about a month, and most um, middle school relationships, they, they um, fade very quickly, and I went to one of my friends, somebody I thought, you know what, he's got my best interest in mind, and his name was Josh, and I said, Josh, um, you know, here's this, this girl, and she's a real sweet girl, but, but do you think we need to continue dating? And he says, Garrett, I don't think so. And so I, I, I broke up with her, and, uh, and then about a month later, guess who was dating? Yeah, Josh and this young lady. And so students in here, there, there are going to be times and places where people come into your life, and the thing that you need to pray at a very early age, that God would give you discernment and then also that you would practice discernment. All of us in this room, we are affected by the people that we hang out with. We are shaped by them. And so it's important that we have people that are running the race of Christ well and that we are mindful of their influence in our lives and then also that we are cognizant of our influence in theirs. A couple of things that we should daily watch out for is um, these three things. First off, the temptation of the flesh. You wake up in the morning time and what wakes up with you is a thing that can trip you up, and that is the natural flesh, your natural tendencies. The next is the temptation of peers. As I said, um, you, you need to look around you and ask the question, am I just running in the direction of everybody else, or I'm, am I listening to the Lord, and am I allowing him to pattern out my days and set the path and direction for my life? The next is temptation of chasing the world. what the world says is important. And as you make this transition into um, the, the higher learning, into college, there are going to be a lot of people that try to shove doctrine into you, um, to try, try to steal your heart away from what the establishment of truth is in you. And so I encourage you that you would, would evaluate not what this world says is important, but that you would establish what, the wor what you say is important with the Word of God. Next is this. Look what he says in verse 2. He says, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in flesh. 
Number two is this, embrace your distinction as a follower of Christ. That needs to be the central, your central identity. There should be nothing above it. You're not, a, you're not an athlete that is a Christian. You're not an educator that's a Christian. You're not a dad that's a Christian. You're not a boss that's a Christian. You are a Christian, and it should define every aspect of who you are. Um, a few years ago, um, actually it was um, eight years ago, uh, Tracy and I, y'all, many of you, and, and the, the blessing for me is this. Um, students, I was there. Uh, a long time ago, <laughs> I was a senior. And so many of you have walked through um, my life and, and Tracy's life um, since we've been here on staff for 15 years. Uh, but eight years ago, we were in the process of adoption. And just in, in the mindset or thought of embracing this identity, um, Tracy and I um, had uh, two, two children that passed away and a couple of failed adoptions. We get this call to go to Mobile, and our pastor was involved with it, and we praise God for that. Um, we show up to the hospital and meet, uh, meet the, the birth mom. Everything goes well. And, uh, and then that night we came back because Caleb had to be in the NICU for a while. And there was a lady there. Her name was Mama Shirley. She was the one that took care of uh, Caleb and Chaney. And so we buzz into the NICU and, uh, and we say, hey, can we see baby Young? And that was their last name. And uh, Mama Shirley buzzes back and she says, I'm sorry, we don't have a baby Young. And Tracy and I look at each other and, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, said, no, we, we don't have a baby young, I'm sorry. And, uh, and they said, but we do have a baby grubs. And said, mom, dad, woo. <clears throat> mom, dad, y'all come on in. <clears throat> to embrace that identity because of the relationship. Guys, you know what's going to set direction for your days. You know what's going to give you peace in the midst of storm as you embracing who you are in the person of Jesus Christ and allowing that relationship to define you. Here are the things that you can write down. Our distinction, just in this, this verse right here, here, here are four things that um, it communicates. First off is this, we are set apart by his grace. We are the circumcision. We have been set apart. We worship by and through his spirit. We come into this place not having to, um, to work up worship. We, we bring worship in because the Spirit of God exists inside of us. We give glory to Christ. Now, there is nothing in this world that deserves your, your praise and your worship. We give glory to him. And The next one is this. We place our confidence in what Christ did for us. Next point is this. Look what he says in verse 4. He says, Though I myself have reason. So Paul, he's, he's saying this. He says um, that I have chased down what they're trying to communicate to you. You need to accomplish and what you need to do. He says, I myself have reason for such confidence. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason or confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, regards to the law of a Pharisee, as for zeal, a persecutor of the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. If you underline your Bible, underline verse 7. It says this, But whatever was my profit, I consider it loss for the sake of Christ. Number three is this, Be willing to receive and seek out godly counsel. Here Paul is saying, you know what, everything that they're communicating to you, 
Um, I, I chased down, I accomplished, and I took it to the furthest extreme. But I consider it rubbish. I consider it loss for the sake of Christ. And so for you today, I, I, I say this. Um, I, Pastor had us listen to some, some training by this man named Rick Warren. And one of the smallest statements that he made that day really sunk deep into my heart. He says this, you don't have to make every mistake. Um, one of the, the things, and if you want to write this down, I, I was just in my study, um, God impressed it on my heart. One of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is ignorance of certain experiences in life. That's one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself. I, I've never done that. I've never, I've never been in that situation. I've never, I've never practiced those things, and, and I don't know that experience. You think about Adam and Eve and original sin, if they would have never experienced that. And so today, as you, you wake up and as we process this life, one of the greatest things you can do is say, I've never done that. I've never experienced that. And that is nothing to be shameful of, guys. That is something to be held in honor. Because I promise you this, it's not you that accomplished that purity. It is God inside of you that did that. So for me, one of the things, uh, just a practical illustration of this. Um, now, now, moms in here, you know that sometimes uh, you say things to to us as, as fathers, and, and um, we, we don't heed advice well. Um, so when uh, Caleb was about four years old, it was Christmas time, and we do a lot of things at Christmas time, but um, we had a, a lot of family staying with us, and so we were making pancakes. And, uh, and so Caleb was about four, and he was sitting in the, in the chair in front of me. I had this hot griddle in front of him, and I thought, this is going to be a great bonding time with my son. Um, we are going to make pancakes. And Tracy um, saw the situation for what it was and with keen awareness of what was about to happen. She instructed me, Garrett, this is not a good idea. Um, your son is going to reach out and he's going to burn his hand. And, uh, and in, in the mindset of receiving information, I, I, I heard what she said, but I felt fully confident that I was able to accomplish this task without that action taking place. And I said, watch me, woman. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> Did not say that. <laughs> I am still here. So uh, I said, I, I, I looked down at him and I said, Caleb, don't reach out. This is hot. So I felt confident that he understood what I said. And, uh, and Caleb is one of those cautious kids, so he's not normally doing a bunch of crazy things, even though he's had a cast multiple times. But uh, um, he, uh, he was helping me flip the pancakes, and it was, you know, first one I did, and he watched. The second one I did, and he helped. The third one, he said, I've got this, Dad. And so he, he um, was getting himself in position. He reached out, and he put his hand up to, to pull himself towards the, the hot griddle. Um, what he didn't realize, he reached under and grabbed a hold of the griddle uh, to pull himself forward. And so he burned his fingers, and it was like, ah! And I was like, ah! And... Tracy was like this, ah, you know. And so, so guys, what, what I would say is this, like in, in life, in life, the best thing that you can do in, in the mindset of receiving godly counsel is that, that you would seek God. Here, here are three things that you should do when you find yourself in need. Because here's the thing, guys, regardless if we see it or not, we are daily in need of God's counsel. We, we, when the, the, the times that we trip up the most is when we feel like we have it all figured out and have it all under control. But here are the things that we need to do. Go to his word. 
go to his word. The primary way God speaks to us is through his word. So spending time in his, in his word on a regular basis is, is giving your life blessing because it's daily giving counsel into the decisions that you make and how you feel. Next is this, go to him in prayer. Go to him in prayer. It's amazing how we, we hold on to anxieties and struggles and we, we, we allow it to consume our thoughts and consume us where we don't sleep at night and we're so wrapped up in it. And sometimes it even, it even dominates our communication to other people. But the question is this, are you taking those anxieties to the God that can actually do something about it? And so go to him in prayer. Number three is this, go to other mature followers of Christ. And seek those things out. Seek those people out. Have those people in your life. So students in here, I encourage you that you would daily, first off, I remember 18, I remember feeling like I had everything figured out. All the people around me that were older, they had no clue about what life really was. And so I'm, I'm asking you to understand and discern, like, man, people are wise. Like, godly people are wise, and I need their influence in my life. What you don't want to do is this, turn to social media, all right? Don't turn to social media for your counsel. The second is this, don't be led by your emotion. Have you ever made a mistake because you were just guided by your emotion and thought, you know what, I, I, I feel, feel this with my heart and this is the right decision? Your heart is the most wicked thing about you and it is waving back and forth to what you should do. And the next thing is this, don't turn to worldly advice, and seek, you are, again, your distinction is to be a follower of Christ. So go to him because he has the answer to your need. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, what is more, I consider everything lost. Sorry. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Just pause there. Um, a couple of things I underline is this. When he says, I consider, it means that it is the filter and he says, everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Seeing Christ as the most valuable puts everything else in perspective. Everything in your life is going to be put in perspective when you say, Christ, you are utmost. You are the most valuable thing for me. You, you control every aspect of who I am. God, I, I'm seeing things through your lens. And so he says, now I consider it. He says, having lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. So the first time I, I, um, I sit up here, I have contacts on. And so um, I, I remember when I was in fifth grade um, was my, my brother, he's sitting in the back. We used to have one of those turn dial um, televisions. And, uh, and so we were, I, that's old. I know you, you students are like, what is that? What? You know, so, yes, you had to turn a dial to change the channels. And so, um, so um, he was looking at the TV, and he said the number that it was on, and I said, I have no clue what you're talking about. And so he went to my mom, and he said, hey, I, I think Garrett needs glasses. And uh, he was like this, and I was like, what are you doing? You know, so, um, and so I went, and I remember for the first time putting on glasses and walking outside, and for those of you that have had that experience, like, the world changes, I mean, the, you look at the green blobs that were trees and you say, I can see leaves. I can literally see leaves. I can see needles. You know, it was like, I can see your face. Okay. You know, it's, it's like all of these things changed. Um, my senior year, uh, we went on a mission trip to Honduras. And, and 
Um, I, I grew up and went to Lee County, and then my senior year transferred to Sherwood. And uh, one of the most defining things that happened to me in my life was going on that mission trip. And uh, we did a medical brigade in a small village in Honduras. And we pulled up to that, that village, and there were literally thousands of people. Well, maybe not. Sorry. <laughs> I almost embellished that. There was about uh, close to 1,000 um, people standing outside, just, just filling up the streets. And so we get there, and we start this medical brigade, and um, there was a dentist station where they were just pulling teeth, like one shot, and then just tears and blood. I mean, and then uh, <laughs> there was a gospel, a gospel station, and we were able to see people get saved, and then the next station was an optometry station, and we had taken big boxes of glasses um, with us. And, and when we pulled up, there was this one senior adult old man, old man standing outside, and he had this huge smile on his face. He was just that man that you thought, I love him. Like, he is like a grandpa of everybody's grandpa. Like, he's just that real sweet guy. And so he, he was smiling. Um, so he made it through all the stations, and Tracy and I, we were over at the optometry station when he, when he comes up. And, uh, and he sits down, and he was speaking Spanish, and we, we had a little chart, and we'd be like, you know, bien, muy mal, you know, and, and, you know, if it was good, he'd say bien, if not good, muy mal. So um, we go through an entire box of men's glasses on this man, and uh, to the thickest, I mean, like thickest, and, and he still could not see. So then we, we, in desperation, turn to the ladies' glasses, and we start working our way through that pile, and there was this one pair that they were just very thick and the high horn glasses, purple tint. Like, you look at this senior adult man that's just got this smile on his face, and you're like, <laughs> you know, and uh, put him on him, and man, his uh, face lights up even more. He's like, bien, bien, you know, just so happy, so happy. And so, um, so anyway, he stands up, and this was this was how he was walking out because his depth perception was off. Like he was walking down the steps and, and he was like he was leading a parade with high steps out the back door. And it was like one of those things you're like, yes, you know. And guys, this is what I, I, I'm telling you that, that because of your relationship with Christ, your daily encounter with life should be the lenses that you look at. Like you look at this world, you look at circumstances, you look at struggles, you re- look at rejoicing times differently because of who Christ is and how he's redeemed how you look at life. Look, look what um, Jim Elliott says um, there. He says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If we lived and practiced life like that, you, you, we, me, we wouldn't hold on to the things of this world so tightly, and we wouldn't allow those things to, to define us. We wouldn't allow them to steal our joy. One of the things I, I would communicate to you is, is going to Uganda the past couple of years. Um, one of the things that God's been quietly speaking to me is seeing their joy and their happiness, and they have absolutely nothing. And I realized that the thing that sometimes wrecks me and, and creates anxiety and worry in my heart and steals my joy are all the things that have polluted my life, that I think I, I consider valuable, my home, my car, my resources. And here when these people walk into worship, they, they walk into worship with freedom and being able to praise God because Their anxiety is not wrapped up in what this world offers them. They're able to to define him as the the giver of all things. 
They're able to worship him in that, that freedom, in that capacity. Look what he says in verse 9. He says this, being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, and I just underline that, being found in him, established in him, not having a righteousness of my own. I couldn't, I couldn't achieve it. I couldn't do it by, by being a Pharisee. I couldn't accomplish it by good works that, I came, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship and sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in the death, and so somehow attaining resurrection from the dead. Number five is this. Know that he is the only true source of satisfaction. In your life, and my life, the only thing that's going to bring about lasting satisfaction is the person of Jesus Christ. And so often I find myself, 41 years old, going back to the same broken cisterns, trying to find satisfaction. And he's saying, hey, I'm the spring of living water. I'm here. It's kind of like a teenager. Y'all, y'all know I'm doing, we're doing college uh, ministry now, too, with, with the students. And um, um, we communicate to them, hey, we want to be family to you. And so when you come into Albany, you might not have family, but we are available to you. And so um, various times during the week, they're, they're over at the house and um, our house has been filled of older teenagers now, and so our pantry just gets imploded, all right? Uh, I know for me, when, when I was a, a um, teenager, now my eating habits graciously are different than, than then, but when I'd come in from a long day or from practice, I would run into that house, maybe not run, but I would get in quickly, and then I would find myself in the pantry, and I was like a piranha in there, just scarfing down all of this stuff. And just in preparation for, for understanding who God is and how he desires for us to be satisfied to him, he wants to be the place that we run to. He, he wants us, uh, him to be the place that we go to to center ourselves and, and to, to be satisfied by. And students in here, so many things of this world, through social media, through what you watch, through, through people that you talk to, to, through music that you listen to, They're saying, hey, this is what's going to satisfy you. Hey, this is what's going to satisfy you. But you have to shut that down and say, God is the only thing. There's not a relationship. There's nothing that this world will offer that will satisfy your soul. Look what he says in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all of these things or been made perfect, but one thing I do, I press on to take hold that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I consider, again, the way he looks at things, myself, yet not to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. Just pause there. Currently in your life, are you being defined by what God has for you in the future or what has taken place in the past? So many times in my life, I've allowed things in my past to define who I am currently, and what I want you to know is God's grace is available to you, his forgiveness is available for your past. So for you right now, the great things or the bad things should not define how you live currently. Continue to trust in God. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I ask you this question. With the trajectory of your life currently, 
Is it moving heavenward? Would you define the purpose of your existence today as a heavenward existence? That your relationship with God is the one that's pushing you forward, that you are saying, God, I know my citizenship is there and I am living this life according to that purpose. I started out um, this morning with a question and is this, or sorry, it's not a question, it's a statement. <laughs> Being a world changer is not based on my abilities, but about my daily availability to be used by God. In your life right now, are you allowing God the space? Are you allowing him to, to set direction for your life? And you're saying daily, I am available to you, God, through every aspect of who you are. Maybe you're here today, and uh, I, again, it's not by mistake or happenstance that you're here. Maybe you're here today, and you've never given your heart to the person of Jesus Christ. I understand that, that um, today is a little different day, and, but God is available to you. Scripture says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So if you are here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that God is making this opportunity available to you today, that you can walk out of this room changed and your eternity secure. Maybe you're here today and you're a believer in Christ, but if you're just totally honest, the charge that was given towards these students it's a charge for every believer in this room. God's number one goal for you is to reflect his glory and do his work while you're here on earth. And maybe today what you need to do is just recommit and say, God, you know what? I understand my salvation is a gift from you. And God, I want to live life according to your purpose. If you will, I want you to stand to your feet, bow your head, and I just want to pray for us now during this time of invitation. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, the awesome thing about our Savior is he knows every aspect of who we are. He, there is nothing hidden in our life. I remember the day that I was saved. There are a lot of regrets in my life, but I will never regret the day I gave my life to the person of Jesus Christ. Because he has changed me, continues to change me. He has given me a purpose. I no longer worship a dead religion. I worship a living God. And maybe you're here tonight or today and the thing that you need to do, how you need to respond to the Lord is just come forward and say, God, I give you my life. I give you the thing that you gave me and that's that's life, and I, I accept the things that you offer me, and that's salvation. My encouragement to you is don't let distance or fear stand in the way of you walking in obedience to Christ. For the rest of us in this room, 
Maybe the thing that you need to do is respond to God saying, God, my life is for your purpose. And God, I want to be a world changer. Now that's just daily putting myself in your hands and saying, God, use me for your glory. And it might be an action, it might be a statement, it might be reaching out to your one and communicating the gospel, whatever it is, you're just laying yourself down and saying, God, I give you who I am. But however you need to respond, don't let today go by and the service go by without you responding to the Christ the way that you need to. Father, we love you. We trust you. We thank you, God, for who you are. God, in this room, move as you choose, God. Father, we give you praise. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.